أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وعباد الرحمن الذين يمشون على الأرض هونا وإذا خاطبهم الجاهلون قالوا سلاما والذين يبيتون لربهم سجدا وقياما صدق الله العظيم is the last portion of Surah Al-Furqan and for several ayat from this ayat that we have commenced with Allah Ta'ala describes in detail the special qualities of his true servants <laughs> so the entire Quran Sharif is filled with the directives of how we are supposed to live our life, what are the qualities we are supposed to have within us. Here Allah Ta'ala highlights these qualities as the special qualities of the muqarrabin, of those who are the close servants of Allah Ta'ala. And this Allah Ta'ala commences with وَعِبَادُ Rahman. These qualities are the qualities of Ibad, Ibad is the plural of Abd. Abd means slave. So the slaves of Rahman. So already in this, one quality has been highlighted. That all these noble qualities that will follow, these can only be in a person who is a true Abd. person who is an Abd and a slave of Allah Ta'ala in the true sense of the word, then the rest of things will now also be part of his life. So this abdiyat, this total servitude, totally submitting oneself to Allah Ta'ala, this is what is required. The total annihilation of the inner self and regarding oneself as being totally a slave. Hassan Basri Rahmatullahi once bought a slave and came. So he then asked the slave, he just bought the slave, those days they used to be slaves, used to be bought and sold in the marketplace. So he bought a slave, so he brought him home. So now he asked him, what is your name? So the slave replied that my name, my name is whatever you call me. A slave doesn't have any choice of anything, so my name is whatever you decide to call me. So then he asked him, what do you eat or what will you eat? So if he's a slave, does he have any choice in what he will eat? Whatever the master feeds him, whatever you feed me, that is my food. What are your, the kind of clothes that you will wear? So he says, whatever you will give me to wear, there's no choice that I have in the matter. Whatever you give me, I will accept. How will you stay or where will you sleep? He says, wherever you give me to sleep. So he asked him some questions in this manner. And each time the slave gave the same kind of answer, that a slave is a slave. What kind of choice does he have in these matters? And after some of these questions and the same kind of answer, the Hassan Basri Rahmatullahi fell down unconscious. So after a while he regained consciousness. So those who were present, they asked him that what happened? Why was this? sudden effect on you that you actually fell unconscious. So he says that this person taught me 
what it is to be a slave of Allah Ta'ala. Every question I asked him, he said he's a slave. So he has no choice in what his name is, what he will eat, what he will wear, where he will sleep, whatever his master decides for him, that is what he will do. He's a slave. Whereas this human slave that somebody owns is a very limited ownership. He didn't create the slave. He didn't give him his eyes, his ears, his tongue, his hands, his feet, his heart, his mind. He didn't give him anything. But this was something that had been in place so a person could buy and sell a slave. But despite that very limited ownership, yet because he is a slave, he is totally submitting himself to me as his master. And he has no choice for himself. He is not even putting forward any request. So when this is the case, in this limited ownership and limited slavery, Allah Ta'ala is my creator, my sustainer, my nourisher. Allah Ta'ala has brought me into existence. So I have to be a total slave to Allah Ta'ala without any reservation, without having any choice of my own in the matter, totally submitting myself to Allah Ta'ala. فَلَا وَرَبِّكَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ حَتَّى يُحَكِّمُوكَ فِي مَا شَجَرَ بَيْنَهُمْ ثُمَّ لَا يَجِدُوا فِي أَنفُسِهِمْ حَرَجًا مِمَّا قَضَيْتِ وَيُسَلِّمُوا تَسْلِيمًا crux of this is that the mu'min is a mu'min when he has totally handed himself to Allah and his Rasul whatever is their command that is what is his choice whether he is willing or unwilling he submits to it wholeheartedly submits to it this is a slave Allah Ta'ala is saying that the ibad the slaves of Rahman here also the Asma'i Husna 99 Asma'i Husna the wonderful attributes of Allah wa ta'ala. But out of all these attributes, the attribute of Rahman is specifically mentioned here. That the connection is being made to Rahman. That these are slaves, they are slaves of Rahman. They are slaves of Allah ta'ala. But out of the attributes, the nisbat and the connection here is being made to Rahman. The Mufassirin explain that those who have this true slavery in their lives, and then who possess these qualities, then this will be something very, very prominent in their lives that they will be a manifestation of this attribute of Allah Ta'ala. They will be a manifestation of this compassion, of this kindness of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala is the most kind. He is the, his kindness and his compassion is limitless, is infinite. So those who are the true servants of Allah Ta'ala, they are limited, but in their limited sphere, in the limited capacity, they will be still the manifestation of this sifat of Rahman, that this compassion will be filled in them. They will live their lives on the note of compassion, and they will conduct themselves in every aspect of life, they will be guided by this compassion. If you look in the lives of the Ahlullah, that even their reprimand was on the note of com compassion. There was a time, obviously, sometimes out of need, the child needs to be reprimanded, some person needs to be reprimanded. That reprimand also was never for any personal motive. That reprimand was out of compassion for the person being reprimanded. And it was done in a way also that that reprimand also warmed the person's heart and got him onto the line that was required. 
So this is a very special aspect of these servants that they are the manifestation of this compassion. Allah Ta'ala fills their hearts with this rahmat and this mercy, this compassion. Then Allah Ta'ala says the first quality that these people possess, now there are so many qualities mentioned here, more than 11 qualities that are mentioned at the top of the list. The first thing Allah Ta'ala mentions, وَعِبَادُ الرَّحْمَانِ الَّذِينَ يَمْشُونَ عَلَى الْأَرْضِ هَوْنَا The servants of Rahman, the slaves of Rahman, who are these people, what do they, what quality do they possess? They are those that walk on the earth with humility. Now it doesn't mean that only in their walking is humility. Often a person's nature in terms of whether he is humble or not is detected in his walk. A lot of things are detected merely in a person's walk. But it requires the eye to see it. Just merely in a person's walk, many things can be worked out. But we don't have that expertise and that sight like the pulse. The Hakims, they put their finger on the pulse and they give a whole lot of detail about the person. Uh, somebody else says that, well, they can do it. Or maybe I can try it. The person tries to look, he can't even find where's the pulse. Let alone start detecting what the pulse is saying. He is looking for the pulse and is getting afraid that whether he is even living. So, but that person has that sensitive touch that by means of that, he can work out exactly what is going on and that minute little differences in the pulses, he is working out that this is indicating this, that is indicating that. The pulse is still a bit far away. Those who don't have the blessing of sight. Allah Ta'ala blesses them in so many other ways also. The braille, those who are blind, they recite the Quran Sharif via braille. Many of them, Alhamdulillah, they have become hafiz in that manner. People have become ulama in that manner via braille. Now those little dots, it's visible, we can see those dots, we can touch it also. But the person who sighted, most cannot make out any difference. He can learn what it is all about. One Ustad, Mawlana Hassan Marji Sahib, once mentioned to me, he teaches this, he's taught probably hundreds of them. Now he's quite used to it. He told me for a very long time, he could recognize it by seeing it. By touching it, he couldn't make it out. Because he was teaching it, he knew it, he knew how it works, etc. So when he would see it, he would know these dots refer to this letter, these dots refer to, so he could easily work it out from there by looking at it because those dots are visible. But if he put his fingers on it, he can't work it out. And the person who is blind merely puts his fingers and in a short time he's learnt it and he's fluently reciting via brain. So where is he reciting from? He's reciting via his fingers. So that Hakim also puts his hand on the pulse and he can say so many things. So likewise from a person's walk, so many things are detected. Imam Shafi Rahmatullah one person said to him that you have this ability of kashf. Kashf is not something uh, out of this world. It is merely like there's a wall. What's behind the wall? Or there's a curtain. What's behind the curtain? We can't see it now. If somebody opens a curtain, you'll see what's behind it. It's there. It's not something that is not there. But because this barrier of this curtain is there, we can't see it. So likewise, between this realm and there's another realm outside this. There's another world outside this world. 
there's a barrier between these two things. Sometimes Allah Ta'ala opens this barrier. A person, sometimes who Allah Ta'ala opens it for, he gets to see certain things which the normal human being can't see. It's not that he saw something that doesn't exist, it's there. But there's this barrier Allah Ta'ala has created. So likewise, this aspect of kashf. So this person is insisting on Imam Shafi that you have this ability of kashf. He says, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have any such ability. So he's insisting that there are so many times you say something, it can only be kashf. Says, I don't have all this, what you're talking about. Somebody walked past, was a stranger to both of them. So he asked him, okay, what does this person do? What is his job? So he looked at him, how he's walking. He observed his walk carefully. And then he said, I think he's a carpenter or he's a, he's a blacksmith or a carpenter. So this person who was arguing with him, he went away and he stopped the stranger. And he asked him, what do you do? He says, previously I was a blacksmith, now I'm a carpenter. <laughs> now how did he work all this out? person's walk says a lot. How he talks says a lot. How he conducts himself. His mannerisms. All these things indicate many things. But a person has to have that sight to be able to detect it. We will be blind to these things, but those who Allah Ta'ala has blessed with that ability, these are indications coming out from everything. The person's choice of words. What he said, how he said it. There are indications in that of things which are deep down in a person's character. So all these things give signs. So in any case, here Allah Ta'ala is saying that they walk very humbly. But it doesn't mean that if a person is somehow pretending to walk humbly, but his mind is filled with takabur and pride, then this person is qualifying for this. No, it means from head to toe, body and mind, heart, the person has this tawazu, this humility. This is the first lesson that is being given with regards to these special qualities of the slaves of Rahman. That they are infused with this tawazu, with this humility. And nobody can reach anywhere close to Allah Ta'ala without this quality of tawazu. The opposite of this tawazu is takabur. The furthest that anybody got from Allah Ta'ala is shaitan. And there wasn't any sin before shaitan committed that capital crime. There was no sin. Nobody had committed any sin. That was the first sin ever committed was the sin of shaitan. When Allah Ta'ala commanded him to make sajda towards Adam alayhi salatu salam, so he started using his own mind against the command of Allah Ta'ala. Ana khayrum min. I'm better than him. You created me from fire. You created him from sand. Fire naturally goes up. Sand, you throw it in the air also, it will fall down. So something that naturally goes up, that is higher. And something that falls down is lower. So why must something higher make sajdas or something lower? This is his intellect now. He is using his mind. And the end result of, but now where did this come from? What made him start using this mind in this manner against the command of Allah Ta'ala, this was that takabur. And this takabur was spurred by that nafs. Because there was no shaitan before shaitan. That nafs in him spurred that takabur. So this takabur was the first sin. And because this sin happened in the heavens, it made him lose every bit of what he had 
and become rejected forever, totally doomed to destruction. So this destruction came via takabbur. And Allah Ta'ala is now giving us the lesson of tawazu, which is the opposite of takabbur. So takabbur is a malady, it's an illness. That illness will be rectified by adopting the opposite of it, the antidote. To the extent that a person will develop tawazu, to that extent this takabbur will go out of his life. What is this tawazu? Sometimes the thought in the mind is that tawazu is to, to say that I'm very humble. Tawazu is not about saying that one is humble. Tawazu is that a person within him believes that I am nothing. I am nobody. It is not a matter of what we say. It is a matter, it's a condition of the heart. This walking humbly is a, is a result of the condition of the heart. It's not what is a pretense. Otherwise a pretense person can pretend to be anything. But that pretense will only last as long as he is not tested. When there's a test out of the blue, one is a person knows what's coming. So he can plan for it, can prepare for it. But when a person is tested out of the blue, some situation just crops up. That is a time when the reality comes out. Tanvi Rahmatullahi gives an example that a person brings up a parrot and then he trains it. Over time he trained it to recite the kalima, reciting subhanallah and alhamdulillah. Every now and then he's reciting the kalima repeatedly. Probably he's reciting more kalima than the owner itself. So now this parrot is so well versed, mashallah, in the kalima and in so many things, reciting Surah Fatiha and whatever else. But out of the blue one day, this parrot was somehow let out of the cage and while it's walking around, the cat suddenly pounced on it. And when the cat pounced on it and it now got it into his jaws and the life was now about to start coming, leaving this parrot. So at that time, that same squawking sound which was its own nature, that very, very uh, unpleasant sound, that squawking sound of the parrot when it is now in distress, that squawking sound will come out. Because that kalima and the tasbih and takbir and the surah fatiha is all just on its beak, just on its tongue. It's not in its nature. It's not in its very, very essence. Or it's not in its heart. It's all thought. It learned how to recite it because that is the ability Allah Ta'ala had given it. So it repeats it, it. Whatever it hears, it can start over time repeating it. But at the time of the tests, or in the literal sense when it was in the crunch, in the crunch time, the reality came out. So one, the lesson here is that in dunya also, if this kalima is just on our tongue, if all the good things that we speak about is just on the tongue, it's not in the heart, it's not deep down in the recesses of the heart. Alhamdulillah, every mu'min has it in his heart, but the reality is not totally settled in his heart. Then at the time of death, in the crunch of the jaws of death, what is in the heart, what is dominant in the heart, that will come out. Despite a person being able to recite the kalima, but what is dominant in his heart, how many times these kind of things happen, Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us, person is passing away, and the last words of his 
as some people are making talqeen of the kalima, people are trying to prompt him to recite kalima by reciting themselves. But the last words emanating from his tongue are to do with dunya. There's an old famous sayings about a person. In India, I used to sell these German locks, which was a very big thing at that time. It was an important thing. Very few people would sell this. So the whole day he would be selling these German locks and his tasbih of the day was Germany ke tala do rupiah char paise. That was his tasbih now. That was the price. German locks for two rupees, two and a half rupees, whatever. The whole day and night, this is what is in his mind and heart. At the time of his death, people made talqeen of kalima. This is what he was continuously repeating. Germany ka tala do rupiah char paise. And in this way, he left the dunya. Like that, there are unfortunately so many other incidents. So this is a lesson for us. It's ibrat for us that this kalima must be deep down in our hearts. The reality must be there. Likewise, this tawazu, this humility, must become a condition of the heart. It must not just be something on the outside. The outside must also be humble. But that must become an effect of the inside. So this is the reality of humility that a person truly believes within himself that I am nobody, I am nothing. This becomes a person's condition when he submits himself and annihilates that nafs. Then over time, this becomes a person's condition. And as long as this tawazu is not developed, to that extent this takabbur will remain and this takabbur is the root to all the other evils. When there is takabbur, this pride, then this pride will bring along malice for others. When there is pride, this pride will bring along hasad, jealousy. Person will always have objections about others because of the pride within oneself. <coughs> when there is takabbur, then there will be ghibad. A person regards himself as nobody, what he's going to talk ill about somebody else. He regards himself as the worst of, then when he regards himself as worst of, where will he have time to talk ill about somebody else? That person is still better than him. Because he believes that. That person is still better than me. So Even if he did something wrong, he's still better than me. So I have more wrongs than him. So what I'm going to be talking about him, I'm worse off. So when there is takabbur, then the ghibat will be there. And if there's tawazu, then that himmat and that courage of ghibat also won't come. He might notice something of somebody, but he won't have, like a person who is down and out in so many situations and issues, and he sees somebody else, or on some other note, as an example, person is suffering from cancer, and he sees somebody with a flu. So he doesn't even take notice of that person's flu, because he knows I'm in cancer. What I'm going to talk about this person's flu, that he's sick. He's merely just got a slight flu. I'm in a most delicate situation. So likewise, a person who has this reality of tawazu in him, he doesn't have any himmat to make ghibat of anyone. So this is a condition of the heart. It's not just something that's on the tongue. It's not just something that a person now, just one or two things of gestures of humility. This is a condition of the heart. And this comes by a lot of mujahada, a lot of striving against this nafs, subduing this nafs. Hazrat Thanvi rahmatullah alayhi, Hakim ummat mujaddidul millat of the time. And 
Musannif, an author of over a thousand kitabs, and a person who is the sheikh of the mashaykh of the time. And he says that I remind myself daily, remind myself daily, that I am the lowest of every Muslim. At this moment in time, I am lower than every Muslim. And as a possibility, as a possibility in the future, I am lower than every disbeliever also. That Allah knows best what's the future, and perhaps he could gain hidayat, and who knows what ranks and what height he may reach. So as a possibility, I am lower than every disbeliever also, and as it stands, I am lower than every Muslim at this point in time. Because who has what quality, Allah knows. And a person will be judged according to the end result, how he left this dunya. Whatever a person's present condition is, that we have no idea what is the next moment, how things will turn out later. So a person, nobody we have the right to look down upon as a person. The sin, the sin is a sin. We cannot condone a sin or regard a sin as correct. That is wrong. That is a sin. But the person, what is his end result, we have no idea. We have no right to regard anybody as lower than us or right of anybody. Allah knows best what is the end result of a person. How somebody will leave this dunya. And sometimes a person who just seems to be just nobody, but how Allah takes them, somebody just mentioned a few days ago, one person in the Haram Sharif is sitting, reciting Quran Sharif, and just now he obviously would have been fasting, and as the Azan of Maghrib started with the Quran Sharif in his hand while reciting, he passed away. Now who might have given a second look at him while he was around? He might have been just some ordinary person looking like anyone else, but what rank he would have had with Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala blessed him the month of Ramadan in the state of fasting, while reciting the Quran Sharif, in the Haram Sharif, and just as the Azan is going, the Kalima is sounding in his ears also. So we have no idea who is who. We have no idea what is somebody's position and status in the court of Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala. Inna min ibadillah man law aqsama ala Allahi la abarrahu. Nabi Islam says, there are some servants of Allah Ta'ala, if it, something comes out of their tongue, they just, they just say something, that this is how it will happen. Anas bin Nadr radiallahu ta'ala an, his sister there was some issue between her and somebody so any case now the one she somebody took something happened in the spur of the moment one person's tooth came out so now the others were asking for kisas for retaliation tooth for a tooth so Anas bin Nadr said that they came to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam so Nabi Islam said, well, this is a command of Allah Ta'ala. Some of these things were made to happen so that the laws of deen could be expounded and explained. So in any case, Nabi Islam said that this will happen now. They are demanding qisas and retaliation in equal measure. So a tooth for a tooth. So this will happen now. You'll have to break your sister's tooth as well. So now this is Nabi Islam is saying to him, he says, in, now this spontaneously came out. Wallahi la tuktharu saniyatuha. Allah, her tooth won't break. So Nabi Islam is saying that Kitabullahi al qisas. That the command of Allah is qisas and retaliation. 
you can't say anything in opposition to that. So, but he had already said this. Now, these people were bent on taking that retaliation. But after a short while, they said, okay, we will just uh, take the blood money in return, whatever the compensation is. So, Hattu didn't break. When this happened, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam on that occasion mentioned this. That, inna min ibadillah, man law aqsama ala Allahi la abarrahu. There are some servants of Allah Ta'ala, something comes on their tongue, and Allah Ta'ala will make it happen like this, Allah Ta'ala will do it accordingly for them. So this came out of his tongue that Hattut won't break, Allah Ta'ala turned their hearts. That, okay, we'll take the compensation, don't break Hattut. So we don't know whose rank is what in the court of Allah Ta'ala. Somebody might seem to be nobody, but in the court of Allah Ta'ala, what somebody he is, we don't know. So we need to be very careful about how we deal with the servants of Allah Ta'ala also. But the lesson that we were discussing was this lesson of tawazu, humility, humbling oneself, that we are nobody, we are the humble servants of Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala. And who could have been greater than Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the entire creation of Allah Ta'ala? Despite being the highest, Ba'adas Khuda Buzruk to Mukhtasar. After Allah Ta'ala, your rank is the greatest. Despite being the highest of all the creation of Allah Ta'ala, there could have been nobody more humble than Rasulullah He was the epitome of humility. Tawazu in entirety. And the incidents that are filled in the ahadith about the humility of Rasulullah one would be amazed that a person can humble himself despite being of that rank. Allah Ta'ala blessed him with that rank which nobody can dream about. But yet Nabi Islam humbled himself in such a way. One person comes and he invites Nabi Islam. He's inviting who? The leader of all mankind. The leader of all the Anbiya And he up front he expresses what he has. What he has to offer. He's inviting him. And he's inviting him. What he says is that there is some stale bread. There is some stale bread. And... There is some gravy, which actually was vinegar kind of gravy, which has also gone stale. That's all I have to offer. And Nabi Islam wholeheartedly accepts this invitation. And he goes and partakes of that. Now, what can make somebody do this, apart from being from within, being totally filled with this humility? Otherwise, a person finds it below his dignity to accept the invitation of some down-and-out person to start off with but to keep that person's heart. And he felt nothing about it. Nabi Islam immediately accepted that invitation. This could only come via that tawazu. There are so many incidents. Inshallah, tomorrow we will continue with this. Allah Ta'ala, give us tawfiq. This is the thing that we need to develop within ourselves, this tawazu. As we mentioned, the first quality that is being mentioned out of all this whole list of qualities, the quality of tawazu. This is what we have to focus on, make dua for, and beg Allah Ta'ala's help. That Allah Ta'ala grants us his quality. Allah Ta'ala bless us all. Wa akhiru da'awana alhamdulillah. Inshallah we can make our safs and continue.